This is a Triple J podcast. Hack. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. This is the Shake Up on Hack, and what a week. As always, some really, really heavy stuff in the news over the past few days. Pretty intense stories that have probably been all over your feeds. We're stepping back a bit now and talking about some of the other stuff that's been stirring up a bit of debate over the past few days. We like to do this at the end of the week, take a bit of a bird's eye view, keep it a bit lighter if we can. And I've got to tell you, we've got booze bands for politicians, sham world records, culty run clubs. It's all coming up for you in this podcast. Hack. We know it's a problem, but it appears very little has changed on the ground. A dog previously crowned the world's oldest is now just a regular dog after the Guinness World Record revoked its title. I think everybody's looking for an excuse to be healthy and get fit. On Triple Jack. Yeah, we're asking, do you think politicians should be allowed to drink at work? There's been a lot of talk about this one over the past few days. Suggestions that we should drug and alcohol test politicians. Keen to get your take on this one. Message in 0439757555. Before we do get into that, though, we've got to meet the Shake Up crew. And we've got two of our favourites. I always say favourites, but sometimes I really mean it. And this time, I really mean it. First, TV, radio host, sports broadcaster, Marley Silver, how are you? I'm great, Dave, and I want a copy of that clip there so I can play that, <laughs> that I'm in the favourites. You're in the favourites. It's confirmed. <laughs> it's a Guinness World Record. Marley is a favourite. You've had a massive week. How are you feeling rolling into the weekend? Good? Oh, yeah, it's been a big week, lots of different moving parts, but I'm feeling fired up and ready for this chat. I have lots of opinions. I, I bet. We had a bit of a chat earlier and it seemed like Marley was really keen to dive into a few of these topics. Someone else who I know will have lots of big opinions, joining us from Perth, another sport fanatic. You'll know him from the Kick It Forward podcast. Josh Scarlett, what's happening? Not much, mate. Uh, It's been really hot in Perth for like... (laughs) Three weeks, and I do say that um, knowing it's always hot here, but it's been like forty degrees so often, so melting. Oh wow! So what are you doing? What are you doing to stay cool? Uh, just stay in a room with um, all the windows shut and the blinds shut in the dark on my computer. That's about, with everything pumping. That's about it. Yeah, sounds fun. Sounds fun. <laughs> you know what might be more fun than that is your big tour of the country you got coming up. What's going on? Thank you so much. Yeah, we've <laughs> got a, a, a national tour: <laughs> Perth, Adelaide, Sydney, and Melbourne. Um, we're starting off in at the Recobite in Perth uh, for our independent pod. So pumping that on the fifteenth of March. If you're interested for the Kick Forward uh, fans out there, so many fans and people are going to be getting to that. We'll have more on that when it's close to the dates. But hey, we've got to get into the shake-up. There's so much to get into. Hack. How would you feel if I rocked up a little bit drunk? I think that I would have an issue with that. On Triple J. There's been a lot of focus on the behaviour of politicians lately. Would have seen it in the news, particularly drinking culture. We've all seen that video of Barnaby Joyce lying on the footpath, swearing. He's blamed it on mixing prescription drugs with booze. Then there was another incident, another MP, appearing to slur her words while in Parliament. She admitted to having a couple of wines, but says the slurring was because of a medical issue and she wasn't drunk. Look, whatever the case, it has brought up this conversation that we do have from time to time, people demanding a crackdown in parliaments with politicians saying it's time to ban the booze in these workplaces. Hack. Bizarre footage of federal MP Barnaby Joyce has been released. If you are going back into the chamber, then you should have some self-control and not consume alcohol if you have to perform. I put to the Prime Minister, random testing could be introduced. Does Parliament have a drinking problem? Yeah, look, I don't think it does. I would be more than happy for parliamentarians across the country to do the right thing and behave properly. On Triple J. 
Yeah, should politicians be breath tested in Parliament? That was put forward as an idea by one politician this week. I'm keen to hear what you reckon of that one. Message in 0439757555. Are you someone that faces random testing at work? Do you like it? Do you back the idea or you don't like it at all? It's something that makes you anxious, you hate. Call in 1300 555536. Already getting some messages. Someone says, I can't drink at work, so why should politicians whose wages are paid by our taxes? M from Melbourne says, of course we should drug and alcohol test our politicians. They're in charge of shaping this country, so it's not unreasonable for our politicians to be sober. Well, let's get into it with the Shake Up crew. We've got sports journalist, broadcaster Marley Silver, Josh Garlett from the Kick It Forward podcast. Marley, should we be cracking down on pollies when it comes to alcohol and drug testing? What do you reckon? Absolutely. I can't even believe that this is a question. Yeah. If I'm honest, I am pretty embarrassed that this is an issue that we haven't cracked down upon. I heard some defence of it, like, oh, it's these two weeks of a time where it's a sitting uh, period and they're away from their families and it's a little bit like, you know, school camp and they have to fit all this social stuff outside of um, their actual time in chamber. But to come in and to be intoxicated, none of us can do that in our job, let alone people who are meant to be running the country. I think that the pushback from this speaks to a pretty dangerous culture that we've seen have really, really awful ramifications in years past. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and to be clear with the examples that we talked about before, those politicians are saying oh, there was a medical issue, um, someone saying my I have problems with my speech, Barnaby Joyce saying I've mixed alcohol with prescription drugs. But this issue of alcohol in Parliament's not new. Like, there was a big review into the culture of Parliament House a few years ago and it found that there needed to be restrictions on alcohol. That was one of the things that should be happening. What's your take on this, Josh? Oh, I think the Barnaby excuse, it, it's it's important in the whole uh, story because immediately you can't ask a follow-up question. It's also the excuse pretty much everyone's done with antibiotics throughout their <laughs> lives when they've been like in, in sport or something yeah. like that. It's like me saying someone's spiked my 13th pint or something <laughs> like that. Like I with, with Barnaby, I like... I always think back to the bonk ban with, with Nemesis that's been on the ABC recently. You see, like, the, the, the unrest he caused by um, them having to bring in a rule, okay, you're not allowed to have a relationship with your staffer. I just assume this is already, already a rule, much like that as well, and it's funny that the same guy's the one that brought it up. Um, I also find it interesting that Labor and uh, the Liberal Party both have come together and said that, oh, you know, it's not necessary to have an official rule. It's like when they put in um, uh, an idea to, oh, we should have a pay rise when both agree. It's like they both agree, oh, we don't want to have an issue where we could potentially be tripped up. If there's all these FIFO drillers not that are immediately fired for operating machinery, or even rocking up to work, not necessarily on the tools, why shouldn't it be the people that are potentially rocking up to work in the morning, also not drunk as well, or after lunch or something, if they do rock up at all, because a lot of the time it's not compulsory. We've got a lot of messages on this one coming through, as you can imagine. Someone says, I work in healthcare and I'd lose my job if I drank on the job. Very fair, as it would compromise patient care. Surely running the country while drunk is at least as risky. Charlie wants to know, is the booze supplied to federal parliamentarians subsidised by the taxpayer? Mm. If it is, then it's got to go. That's Charlie's question there. And Casey says, I was a firefighter and, you know, I had to be completely sober. Absolutely, they should be as well if they have to make decisions that affect the entire population. Do you think the drug testing and alcohol testing is like a step too far, Marley, or do you think that should be part of it? Like, 
is it one thing to say Parliament should be a dry place, a booze ban? Is the testing necessary? Well, I think so many workplaces, as the people who are texting in are telling you, um, have a lot of this random testing that is just part of the the protocols. I also think that politicians should be held to a higher standard than the average person because you are representing an entire electorate. And I don't see a problem with that. I understand that there's sort of this um, question raised of does that open the door to to many other things and, and whatever, but it's just not that much to ask to not be under the influence of something. I know that a lot of people say it's, oh, there's lots of drinking social things um, outside of actually being in chambers, but you're there to do the work for the country for the couple of weeks a year that you're in Canberra. Just keep a lid on it. It's not a party time. <laughs> Marley's laying down the law. She's like, you're there for a couple of weeks and that's it. Get out. I mean, they might be there for a bit longer, but yes. I, see, I see your point, Marley. Josh, I don't know, like, do you think that people do have a much higher standard that they expect from politicians? Because when it comes to um, alcohol and drug testing, we do hear from a lot of people that say, I go through this in the workplace. Some people say, I think it's a good idea. Other people tell us, no, I don't like it. I I think um, it's not necessary. It's like it breeds a lot of anxiety in workers or the rest of it. Do you think that people want the same standards for politicians or they expect higher standards? I think in Australia, we have such a low tolerance for any sort of corruption or any sort of uh, inequality between people because there is a genuine thought that it should be equal between regardless of your occupation. And I think these elected officials, especially after COVID, where all of a sudden a lot of them became much more household names than previously a lot of people didn't even want to talk about politics or even know any of their names. So, yeah, I do think there probably is, unfortunately for them, a higher standard. But, that, I mean, that's kind of what you're signing up for. I'm, I'm probably, I probably don't think there needs to be widespread um, tests um, like it, I, I, that might be the problem with like more taxpayer money. I, I'd probably rather say that um, if there is someone rocking up who's clearly intoxicated, it should be you should be allowed to you know say, oh, w- would you mind doing a test or something like that? You have someone else on the text line saying drinking has no place in the workplace. Another person says they should be breath tested before sitting in Parliament. Absolutely. And Rochelle from Canberra absolutely agree with this. Random testing should be introduced. Border force employees have to submit to random testing, and I'm talking about employees sitting in front of a computer. No different to parliamentarians. That's Rochelle's comment there. It does seem like there's not too many people who are against this idea that Stali, um, Zali Stegel, sorry, came up with to maybe test parliamentarians. People really backing that on the text line at the moment. I mean, it does say a lot about drinking culture in Australia in general, um, Marley, when we've got people saying, oh, with Barnaby, it's like a, it's a larrikin thing. He's known for this kind of behaviour. Um, there've been, you know, things in the past, people just expect it. Mm. Do you think there are wider issues, not only with politicians, but mm. with sport as well? It comes into play yeah. with sport too and, and uh, athletes. Absolutely. I would also say that the general sentiment um, has to do with the generational shift. I think, um, I believe, I, I've read some statistics that the younger generation now is drinking less. Mm. And And I think that it is becoming, hopefully, a little bit less of the Australian culture, what we accept. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's part of the reason that probably us having this conversation. But you know what? It's a really good point that you brought up around sport too. We talk about holding these politicians to a higher standard. When we talk about athletes, we immediately talk about them being role models. um, And they are highly scrutinised when these sorts of incidences happen. And you don't want it to become this thing. I, I think it's also a reflection because our generation is quite disenfranchised with politicians who we think don't represent us in a lot of ways. So we are more critical and we are asking more of them. And I don't want it to get to a point where you kind of are thinking about pollies being, you know, as dirty scumbags on the weekend. Like I think that athletes are unfairly thought of in that way, but 
I think we need to look at them with a bit of a harsher lens. The role model like point is mm. interesting because it's it's not as much that we see politicians being, you know, put up there as a role model, like, to, oh, you're a role model for young people. Like, in our head, maybe we think that, but not in the same way that we hold sports people up or we, we think that there's this standard there for them. Someone on the text line says, give Barnaby a break. Another person says, yeah, politicians should lead by example. Mm. Josh, do you agree with Marley that maybe younger people have a different take on this? That there's a bit of a shift happening in terms of drinking, drinking culture in Australia? I, I definitely think there's probably a shift. I think, I think the, the thought that there's less people drinking doesn't mean people don't like drinking, the young, younger generation. Um, I just definitely think that the history of like Bob Hawke sculling, having a sculling record at UWA and there's even a Bob Hawke beer, our former Prime Minister who was so loved for his drinking, I don't think that resonates as much anymore. It's more like uh, there's probably more of a disdain for people being... Um, so flippant with something like that when they're spending taxpayer money. And I, I agree with what Marley said about uh, a role model. A, a lot of athletes sign up to be an athlete because they love the sport, they love the craft, and then they're sort of thrust into the, the spotlight. When you sign up to be a politician, you aim to serve, yes, but if you want to be a leader of a party or an MP, there is something that needs to be a leader and a role model. And if you're getting half cut and rocking up, that's probably not the right thing. Have you had jobs in the past, Josh, where you think the drinking culture maybe has been a bit too big or it's been a bit intense? Uh, oh, I mean, I've worked at like bottle shops and, and <laughs> yeah, pubs, well. so like, I mean, there's that's kind of ingrained. But I mean, if someone were to make a s- mistake that caused harm while under the influence, they'd be liable, right? So um, I, it's all sort of packed into it. A lot of messages still coming through on this one. It's surprising, right? Or maybe not surprising at all that people want to have a say about politicians and their behaviour. Someone says, hey, I work in construction. Some jobs are tested every morning. I blew 0.01 and was suspended from work for three days without pay. Mm. Have since found out my medication gave the false positive. It's interesting. Steph says, I don't think any other job in the world allows drinking on shift. It's beyond belief that politicians are somehow not included in this. Why are we debating this? Our culture is messed up. Someone else, chill out, we're Aussies. So look, there are a a few different opinions on the text line right now. We could unpack it a lot more, but we've got to move on. Hack, the world's oldest dog is being investigated over his past. On Triple J. I'm sorry, that was so funny. (laughs) The world's oldest dog is being investigated over his past. Where are we? Well, it may go down as one of the most extraordinary stories of deception of our time. Who knows? A Portuguese dog called Bobby, or Bobby, the world's (laughs) oldest dog, they said, got the Guinness World Record. Parties, fame, lived the high life, Bobby, until his death last year at the reported hideously old age of 31. But things are not always as they seem, dear listener because a web of lies allegedly is unravelling. And this dog may not have been that extraordinary after all. Hack. He turned 31 and he was crowned by the Guinness Book of World Records, the oldest dog. But people started noticing some discrepancies. Is this dog really 31 years old? There was this information from vets that 31 is implausible. It would have been like humans being 200 years old. Some of those older photos, allegedly of Bobby, showed that he had different coloured paws. His origin story is wild. It did sound like really old for that a dog. That kind of impossible. Yeah. On Triple Jack. What do you think of the Bobby old age scandal? Should we have stripped him of his title? When I say we, I mean the Guinness World Records people. Do you think we really should just let sleeping dogs lie, maybe? Poor take on a pun. Throw this dearly departed dog a bone. 
I don't know. I'm trying here. Message in 0439757555. Also, what's the oldest pet you've ever had? Do you think you have a pet who's pretty old? Maybe you're not even sure of the age. Think it deserves some kind of prize? Hit the text line now. I want to hear from you. This is The Shake Up on Hack. I'm Dave Marchese, joined by broadcasters, podcasters, Marley Silva and Josh Garlop. Hey, Josh, Bobby, innocent, guilty or fall guy? Lock him up. Lock him. Well, he's Lock dead, so. <laughs> he's out of there. Dog is gone. He's gone. Um, I, I found this, I mean, obviously, it was quite a shift from the first topic. But, yeah, it um, is, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think the Guinness World Records would be stoked because, like, I, I, I always find the Guinness World Records more and more as we go into the future so silly because it's like a marketing company more than anything they people pay to do these like branded yes. things so for the, for their legitimacy to be called saying we need to have the legitimacy of the Guinness World Records brought back I, I they'd be so stoked because at the end of the day it's a marketing <laughs> company so but yeah so the dog um, needs to be locked up oh okay cool well Marley what's your take on the dog I mean I just want to confirm the dog has passed away yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay and thank God oh God with that in mind, I will paraphrase my favourite viral YouTube video ever. Leave Bobby alone. <laughs> you think that the dog should just be left, uh, like, with the title, with everything? You know what? Bobby was a symbol, a symbol for hope. <laughs> a symbol for hope that all dog lovers like myself have that our beloved dogs can live to 31. Did you remember this story? Because it was blowing up last yes. year. So you remember the whole thing and when Bobby died and there was a whole big yes. news coverage from Portugal to all over the place, the UK, everywhere. I remember hearing how long he lived and talking to my dog Piper, <laughs> who is my child, who I love so much and I will cry about if I talk about her too much because oh, no, I love her so no. much. And I was like, oh, okay. You are channeling Bobby for the rest of your life because I need you to live to 31. And I just, I need to believe for that hopeful message that he embodied. Okay. But may he rest and in do, peace. But do you, <laughs> rest his soul. Do you believe that Bobby could have been that age, the 31 thing? Because we've got all sorts of people out here. The Royal College of Vet Surgeons never bought it. They're like, no, we've been raising doubts from the beginning. Um, the typical lifespan for this breed of dog is 12 to 14. So Bobby's <laughs> Really an outlier, I think it's fair to say. Um, it's equivalent Look, to about, yeah, 137 human years. I I chose to believe in Santa Claus until I was about 15 because it made Christmas better and I'm going to choose to believe in Bobby for and, my dogs. And it's all true. That's true. Exactly. Well, I guess it raises some questions about the process of awarding these records, right, Josh? What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I already said, said it, the Guinness World Records, like you can pretty much buy a record. Um, if you go on the website, a huge part of their website is just like, would you like a branding marketing opportunity where you can like together purchase a thing? You um, seem like the kind of person that would be keen to bust a world record. Yeah, ma oh, maybe. I think like I don't <laughs> yeah, have enough money. A bit of content in there, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, a bit of content. I think, I think what the one thing with the dog as well is um, for every 31-year-old dog, there's a, you know the show Dance Mums or whatever it used yeah, to be, how yeah. they were very intense behind them. There must be a pretty crazy dance mum behind this <laughs> ageing yeah. dog in quotations. Well, his name is Lionel Costa, the dog's owner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a figure. He became famous as well. He's not actually commented on the record being stripped from Bobby, but he's previously said that the suspicions are unfounded and the Guinness Book of Records did investigate for a year and it's ridiculous that people are, like, dragging this up. He's probably still mourning. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. The records are pretty funny. Like, we you one of those kids that was obsessed with world records, Marley? Because yeah. I was. Yeah, I had like four of those Guinness World Record books that had the like little holographic covers. 
loafers. Oh, like, yeah. We love those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely very into it. Um, and, I, and I believe if they've done that one-year investigation, <laughs> I'm Team Bobby all the way. I didn't realise how passionate I was yeah. about it until now. This is the one that you really want to fire up about. <laughs> I mean, there's even contention around the oldest humans as well, the people that have lived the longest and have been awarded that prize. People are doing investigations now saying, oh, the oldest woman to have ever lived was 122, but was she actually? And trying to dig up all these records. So it's a contentious thing. Some of the world records, though, are pretty amazing, right? Like the man who fitted 100 lit candles in his mouth, the hairiest family, the man who squirts milk out of his eyeballs. All useful skills. All useful (laughs) stuff that we need to know about. Have you ever scored a record, Marley? Have you ever been someone who's competed for not... It doesn't have to be a Guinness World Record, obviously, but... (laughs) I have a a family record in my house that has stayed with me for many decades. It's how many hard-shell tacos I could eat in a single sitting. And I broke that record at age 11 and it stands very tall still. What is it? 13. 13? 13. I had a bottomless stomach at that age and could just eat and eat and eat. And I think now eating the hard-shell ones hurts my throat. I'm getting pathetic with my old age, obviously. (laughs) But I could eat, I ate 13 in one sitting. Um, It was quite deliberate. I remember thinking I'm going to break my record today. I think I was sitting at 10 for quite a while. Wow. 13. It went all around my primary school. Um, People were talking. One friend invited me over to see it in person at her family's house for a taco <laughs> night. Um, I couldn't quite get there again. I got about t- to 10 as well. We were speaking about this not that long ago, actually. Oh, that's it's so... folklore. F- if yeah. anyone can beat that taco record that Marley has just put out there to the world that apparently <laughs> is still standing and still quite prestigious, 0439757555, how many tacos have you eaten in one mm. sitting? Um, Josh, no, no records that you want to put forward? Uh, no taco records. Um, I used to always like the, the weird ones, like the guy with the longest nails in the world. Oh, yeah. It's just like... Classic. Man, do you ever get tempted to just cut them? Because you, you've lost all use of your arms. Oh. Yeah. You're like, have we gone too far here? I mean, there is some Australian, I don't know, um, probably... We should want Bobby to be stripped of his title, really. There's some... Um, because the second oldest dog is an Australian dog called Bluey, right? Oh, and so wow. that he could be made um, the oldest dog who's ever lived. He was 29, died in 1939. Oh, wow. So the thing that I'm confused about is everyone's like blowing up about Bobby saying, Bobby could never have been 31, but this one was 29. So that's not that different, is it? And why do we trust the records from... What year was it? 1939. 1939, yeah. Like, do we know for sure that they weren't making that, you know, <laughs> just replacing Bluey every time he died or what? I don't know. I don't know. Someone on the text line says, Bobby the dog is a liar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Someone else says, poor dog, just wanted to be a good boy. Hey, Aww. that's all we all want, right? Hack. I'm always hoping to find love in life. <laughs> um, if it happens at Run and Rump, then great. But if otherwise I just make amazing friends, then I'm happy with that too. On Triple Jack. Run clubs. They're here and they're taken over. It doesn't matter whether you're in a big city or a small town, the run club is dominating. Obviously, it's great that everyone's exercising, but as we heard, it's proving popular as a bit of a dating platform too. People getting out there, chucking on the runners, getting ready for love. Has this worked for you? Did you meet your partner at a run club? Or maybe you're just a big advocate for them in general? Message in 0439757555. You can call in too, 1300-0555-36. This is The Shake-Up on Hack. I'm Dave Marchese, joined by media superstars, podcasters, Marley Silver, Josh Garlett. Someone on the text line, I'm just saying, oh my God, my dad and I used to do this with the taco competition. 
I was a teenager and beat him up to 12, I think, in one <laughs> sitting. Right, okay, Marley. So still winning. Still standing. We are talking about run clubs, though. We spoke about this on Hack earlier this week. Marley, what's your take? I am a very proud member of a run club. <laughs> very proud. It has become my personality. I have been highly criticised by some people in my friendship circle, but that's just because they haven't been a part of a run club. Yeah. I actually have to tell you this, Dave. When I <laughs> knew that we were talking about run clubs today, I spoke to my boyfriend this this morning yeah. and he is very anti-run club oh. and he calls them Tinder run clubs, right? I think he thinks I'm looking for um, a better option or something. And I go, a bit of an issue, yeah. But, but I truly, I'll get a little bit serious here, a little okay. bit sincere. Okay, I have okay, drank okay. the Kool-Aid, but I... A few months ago, we were talking about how in society we've lost the third place, right? Right. Sort of your workplace, your home place, and then that third place where you can have a community, where you can go, where you can meet people, engage. Because, you know, we're not really religious these days, you know, stereotyping Australia, whatever. We don't have a space like that. I think that's what run clubs are and that's why I love it. Oh. And you also get to, like, run fast and feel good about yourself. Okay, so you're a huge fan, you love it. And are you one of the ones that does it early in the morning? Yeah, nothing else will get me up before 6am but my run club. And made a lot of friends? Um, I've gone with some friends. I wouldn't say I know everyone's name, but I just know like that they're still at still ignoring club. everyone, yeah. I, I'm not a particularly friendly person, but I'll smile and we'll run together and it's just nice to be around other people. Josh, run clubs, yes or no? Uh, I think yes. I think oh. <laughs> it's, it's great that Marley's been so upfront about her religion of run, run clubs. So like, <laughs> it's I, pretty full on. <laughs> I, I, I am the sceptic, like the sceptic in me, thinks that every mate of mine who's going to a run club, I'm like, you creep. You're just going to the run club, try and meet a girl or something, which is fine. That's fine. But I feel like there's a lot of people that go there and it's so much uh, positive, um, I don't know, mental... There's such a good mental reaction to early exercise and meeting people. We saw that just coming out of um, a period where we didn't have much of that. I went to my first one in Melbourne uh, with uh, Dill Buckley, who runs a run club down there, and I met a couple people. I was surprised. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was pretty good. And um, I was spent and my cars were wrecked. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going every Sabbath to a run club. Okay. We've got people on the text line who big fans of run club. Also, sorry, Marley, we just still got a lot of people on the tacos. Like We're we're sticking with that for a second. And someone said I had to stop at 17 tacos once because everyone wanted to leave. I reckon I could have done a few more at least. I uh, need to find someone who also likes doing this. Um, people as well with their old animals, someone who's got a, a southern brown tree frog who's 12, another person who says they've got a 21-year-old dog. Unverified, unverified. We need the facts for this one. We're talking about run clubs, though. We're back onto the run clubs. The dating thing I find really interesting because it seems like... I mean, I guess it's a nice way of meeting people with similar interests, but surely, Marley, like first thing in the morning, you're not feeling the best, maybe, I don't know, looking the best. Doesn't sound romantic. Well, I think for the single people who are doing this, it's probably one of those, if you can't like me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. <laughs> and what a great way to do it. Is, is it annoying, like running with people like I like to run solo like Mm. I like doing that is the group thing or you get around it you know what I like about it is that it really spurs my competitive spirit so if there are people running around me and there's someone in front of me I have to beat them oh so it makes my pace go a lot higher right um so that's what I really like about it but it's also the shame of if you stop 
So oh, the shame, like knowing that if you stop, there's people around you who are going to be like, mm, you stop. <laughs> it makes me keep going. So there's those elements. But again, the social element, it's really, it is really positive. And you know, do you reckon, like, serious for a second, that it is something after COVID, yeah. it's like a connection thing. Also, cost of living people are bringing yeah. up, saying maybe can't afford to go to the gym like I used to. Yeah. Running is a cheap alternative, especially yeah. if these clubs are free. Got people on the text line. Someone says, I'm part of an awesome run club in Melbourne. Uh, we've just had our one-year anniversary, which is really nice. Someone else says, I tried to go hiking the other week and I died. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and another person, Lucy from Brisbane, run clubs are dangerous. They take over the paths and even push walkers over without helping them. <laughs> I don't know whether that's... I mean, that sounds pretty dramatic. Like. Not, not at bloody five in the morning when there's no one around. I, I am, like, on a genuine level, I think it's a really positive thing. There's, there's not negative things about that. Wait, have, have run clubs become the new cyclists? Are people angry at run clubs <laughs> now? Like, so, so, oh, they're, so. they're taking up all the lanes. They're oh, taking over. People also get angry about the social element in terms of not social meeting new people, but social media, putting it all, oh, yeah. you know, on TikTok, Instagram, whatever. Like, oh, it's about the running. It's not about the social media. Also, I find it funny the ones that do the run clubs in the day or the afternoon and then they go to the pub afterwards. I'm <laughs> like, is that just defeating the whole purpose of what we went out it's for? Maybe not. Maybe not. It's a bit of balance. Hack on Triple J. Big thanks again to the Shake Up crew. That is all we've got time for on Hack and the Shake Up for this week. We'll be back after a couple of days next week. We've got another huge week of shows planned for you. I'll catch you then. See ya. Listener.